Welcome to Tell Great Stories, the podcast that looks back at some of Unbound Theatre's past projects and productions. In this episode, we're going to be looking into recent history as we discuss Unbound's output during the coronavirus pandemic. Joining me for this episode are... Hello, I'm Dario Knight. I was the writer, director, producer of all sorts of different things during lockdown. Hello, I am Katie. I was in a number of the different things we put on over lockdown. I played a fairy, I played a history detective, um, I played a security guard, many, many things, and a very lovesick Phoebe. Hi, I'm Andy Shaw, and I also played many, many different things, uh, including, but not limited to, Oberon and Theseus in Midsummer Night's Dream, Duke Senior and Frederick and Oliver Martex in As You Like It. Uh, I was Richard and Steve uh, in Wildstone uh, Butterfly Sanctuary. Um, what else was I? Lord Windermere in uh, Windermere's Fan and Parker at the last minute. Um, <laughs> and I was also a dodo, a crab, a frog, uh, a Cheshire cat and a five. And Don Pedro. And that's all we've got time for. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Stephanie Hull, and I didn't play that many as Andy, but um, I was a part of uh, Speak the Speech, uh, Once Upon a Time, and I helped coordinate and produce all the podcasts that you're listening to. Brilliant. So... First question, if we go all the way back to before the pandemic really began, those last few weeks before the first lockdown, um, what were some of your memories of those heady times when everything was open and what projects were underway at the time? Well, we had a lot of things planned, I remember. (laughs) I think we had... um... So we were doing a lot of improv stuff and we had loads of plans to take it all sorts of places and loads of dates going in for that. And we were all ready to go to pubs and things. Remember pubs? (laughs) And then, yeah, yeah, and we were uh, going to take Sketchbook on tour and I was manically learning a lot of lines. and We were rehearsing Shakespeare. There were lots and lots of lines. I remember that. Mm. There were lots and lots of scripts and lots of lines and lots of people saying you need to learn that by next week. (laughs) Yeah, many, many lines. Yes. I think we'd pretty much announced the whole season, hadn't we? We'd sort of said, mm. here's all the things yeah. we're doing between now and July. And then I think we did one of them, <laughs> which was um, <laughs> Three Tall Women, which got by just by the skin of its teeth, I think yeah. a couple of days before yeah. theatres were yeah. ordered to close. And yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, that was it. Stop. Because, yeah, you guys plan really far ahead, don't you? Hadn't you already organised the pantomime and all these kind of bits and pieces you had in the diary? Yeah, I think everything up to the end of the year was sort of set, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some stuff was written. I think we we were about to go into rehearsals for Robin Hood because we were going to go do that in town. Yeah. Um, so that had been cast and the, the walking play, Lost in T- uh, Laws of Time, rather, that had been cast and that was ready to go. But just before we started rehearsing, that's when lockdown happened. So, yeah, there were about three or four things rehearsing. I think we're only about two weeks away from the improv showcase. That was yep. going to... That's going to happen. And then, yeah, probably about eight or nine projects that were either being cast or being written or had been booked. So, yeah, it was an an almighty amount of work we were doing. Yeah, I just remember there's a big kind of air of uncertainty in the the lead up to it and this kind of impending doom and (laughs) kind of ignoring it and going, no, this won't amount to anything. We'll just, it'll be it'll be over in a couple of weeks and we'll be back mm. to normal. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was kind of like a sense of just carry on regardless and hope that hope that we can do. 
Um, but then some casts started to isolate. I remember Joe didn't come in for a few rehearsals for uh, Midsummer Night's Dream and As You Like It. Um, and then I think a few others as well. So it started to make things a bit difficult. Um, and then I remember some of the rehearsals we were doing with the skeleton crew, we were having to sort of not touch each other and keep our distance. And it was a little bit weird. Like, how how can we work this way? This is kind of a weird... Uh, a weird new way of trying to trying to work very unnatural to um to you know not touch each other on a stage mm. i also remember <laughs> sort of thinking oh i hope there isn't a lockdown during the week of the show without sort of realizing that no actually yes. if there is a lockdown it's going to be of the year of the show <laughs> <laughs> but oh no we might have to reschedule that performance yes mm. <laughs> cool um, so obviously moving on to then, you know, theatres were all ordered to close and we couldn't carry on with the the normal project. So, um, Dario, tell us sort of about um, how the Keep Telling Story season started and what were some of the first projects to get going with that? Um, well, there was this, this one almightily strange week between theatres and pubs and I think possibly some shops being ordered to close. On a, it was a Monday night, and then the following Monday is when they announced the first lockdown. So this is one week where we couldn't open to the public and we couldn't have any rehearsals, but um, I was still at Queen's Park and the staff were there. And I remember that week like a heart attack because we spent the entire time sort of frantically rescheduling the whole spring season at Queen's Park, which we just announced and the brochure had come back from the printers and everything. Um, and we had no idea when we'd reopen or how far ahead to postpone things. And the phones were ringing constantly because we had customers phoning up saying, you know, is this thing I booked in July going to happen? And we were going, well, I don't know, um, as if we had any uh, specialist knowledge. Um, and then in amongst that kind of mountain of admin of contacting customers and tutors and bands and, and all the actors and unbanned, we kind of had to work out what queen's park and and by extension what unbound were going to be now that the building was closed and we couldn't actually come in so we had to work bloody quickly to come up with something and i think within a few days we'd launched the live creatively campaign through queen's park which was all about people sharing their creative projects online as this kind of digital creative community and um an unbound's contribution was the keep telling story season which started the morning after they announced theatres had to close so I think within a few hours, um, Erica, yourself, Gareth, uh, Matt, Lara, Steph, John, Angela had all gotten in touch with me saying, right, so what do you need us to do? Or, you know, how about we do this? I've got an idea to keep us busy. And um, and by the end of that week, we'd started the Sonnet project. They'd been recorded. Matt and Erica were busy recording and finding actors to get involved. John and Angela were illustrating the audio sketches because we did like a series of um of the old unbound sketchbook recordings from a few years ago that we put brand new drawings to um lara was setting up unbound on a on discord so we had a network we could use for committee meetings and rehearsals and and it kind of snowballed from there really but it, it happened really fast that's the the thing that kind of fried my brain alongside the <laughs> copious amounts of rescheduling it was just how fast we got to work and how oddly how lacking in uncertainty we were that we had a job to do um it's kind of incredible really um so obviously two of the the biggest projects that we had during the lockdown were the feature films as you skype it and then the mini series a midzuma night's dream our sort of replacement shakespeare projects 
Um, and Katie and Andy, you were in uh, both of those. Um, talk us through the rehearsal and recording process for that and sort of how they transformed from plays to being, you know, being the films that they were and sort of what were the, the problems and what was really fun about it, what was different about it? Well, much had already been rehearsed already mm. um, and learned. I think we'd done a lot of learning. I, I think I'd learned most of my lines um so i think that part was that part was kind of done um in my mind anyway but then it was just trying to trying to learn a new way of working and and getting on with technology for for me uh technology posed as much as a solution as it was it also created problems as well um which kind of really did slow down the whole process and uh particularly when you get get dropouts you know the technology you midway through a scene and then you're going right Andy are you there and uh, <laughs> you know I've dropped out like you know three lines ago and frantically trying to work my way out how to get back on again so we we're all struggling with that but also I found it's difficult when you're in a room with somebody you can pick up on a lot of cues and things that are not necessarily audio but you know it's like little looks and yeah you understand somebody a bit better but when you're suddenly in isolation and all you've got is a little screen uh, which doesn't really show up and uh, so you don't quite get how somebody's posing something so you it's it's kind of um it, yeah it does put you into that isolated box and you do feel like you're in a goldfish bowl to some degree Mm. Yeah, I think it was interesting. I think my neighbours probably thought I was going a bit mad, to be honest, <laughs> if they overheard. What I was... yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I see. I remember it the same way. I think because I remember to start with, I think we were all quite hopeful. I think the first few rehearsals we did um, over Discord were line runs, if I remember. I don't think yeah. we even mapped anything out. We still had the original script and we were just doing line runs of the things we'd already rehearsed. Um, and then... And then it was all a bit disappointing and a bit, oh, a bit rubbish. And then there was that moment of, oh, I actually have to, I have some connection though, because I'm stuck at home. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> and I get to play around with costumes and props in my own home. So it was kind of like a kid at Christmas. It was like, oh, I get to play with yeah. stuff now. Like David so, Attenborough. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, that it got kind of, it that perked it up and that made lockdown, I think, a little more bearable as well, because we had something you had that connection with somebody else you had that thing mm. that we were still doing that we were still interested in and yeah the IT but also for me it was it, weird things like um I because th- we did it in the summer I think I had the windows open I kept having an ice cream van going past <laughs> we were trying to record and you guys were like we have to do that bit again I'm really sorry we've got an ice cream van I'm really sorry <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah, my mic dropping out or IT problems mm. or bits and pieces like that. So yeah, it was kind of it was a trying to find make the best of the situation when it was a little bit disappointing to start with. But then by the end, it was kind of a lifesaver. I think. Yeah, I think so as well because the, the silliness that we kind of did build up a camaraderie of um, you know we're all in this together apart kind of thing. But we can all just dick around on on camera and you know show weird animals to each other while somebody else is trying to deliver their lines and oh, it was just yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, just trying try to outdo each other with stupid things we could show to the camera to, to make other people laugh and put off the person who's actually trying to you know take it yeah. seriously so it was it was good it was a great way of keeping in touch with you know with, it was a, 
it's a friendship group really in in many ways you know we're all we all get on with each other and so it was a great way to just kind of you know bring bring us together but yeah. apart mm. but together but apart cool and uh dario how do you go about adapting something that is clearly done as a play to be performed as such into a remote recording format that worked so well in the format um well, it's easier than it perhaps first appears. I think provided you get the central premise right. And I mean, with Midzuma, that was really easy because that was basically taking every single problem we'd had trying to rehearse a play <laughs> via Zoom or Discord and then just putting it into a into the production. So that one wasn't so tricky. Um, Skype, it was a bit more difficult. I mean, I remember, Katie, you sent me a, a link around about the time you were deciding it was going to be a film rather than a a play because it was clear we weren't going to be able to get back on stage and it was a link to someone another company who'd done midsummer over zoom yeah and um and i remember watching that and they tried to do the whole play as though they weren't all in separate rooms so they used green screen to put themselves mm. in a forest and they sort of cobbled costumes together but clearly didn't have everything they needed mm. and and tried to act as though they were in the same room like be able to talk to one another or turn to one another or have a fight with one another and all it kind of did was draw attention to the fact that they clearly weren't in the same room. So I I knew from that, really, that the core premise of Skype, it had to be that these characters are in a video chat room. There's no point trying to pretend otherwise. Um, you know, take what you've got and fly with it. So once you've settled on, on that as your premise, you kind of work through the script and solve the problems fairly logically. So things like uh you know how does orlando post his or pin his poems on trees for others to see well that's twitter um you know how do you stage a wrestling match well that's a video game um so it's mainly logic a lot of the time rather than necessarily the most creative way of thinking about it um then there's just stuff that leaps out at you when you read through the script again so there's a scene with phoebe ignoring sylvius um he keeps trying to declare his love for her and she keeps sort of uh ignoring him and stopping him and on stage she would just turn away from him um you know and and not want to talk to him online she'd just block him if he was pestering her so we added a whole sequence where she keeps blocking his camera but then he pops up in another window and starts again and then she has to block that one then he appears a third time and he ends up sort of like six of them all around the screen so you just have to stick to that premise really and as long as you keep the internal logic of the the setup consistent it's not that difficult to figure out how to adapt it and um actually it was a lot of fun coming up with how do you have like uh there's a point where orlando uh gets attacked by a lion quite randomly um so how do you how on earth do you do that when they're in a video chat room and it just ended up being a trojan virus hiding underneath a, a picture of a lion as a thing that cuts his camera feed so it was a lot of fun um mm. yeah i enjoyed it yeah and a more open question what were some yeah some of the uh the cast sort of favorite bits from the additions to the scripts either from skype it or midzuma i really i did really like the extra scenes that dario put in the little bits in between um the midzuma night stream like you said the bits that because it was a reflection of all the things that had happened <laughs> while we were rehearsing basically <laughs> Yeah. Lots of, like we said, lots of people going, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Can you move? Sit down. Just sit down. I can't see you either. All this kind of stuff. And it was <laughs> Which like, scene yep. are we doing? Yeah. What page are yeah. we on? Oh, it's not in my script. It, no, it's 38 in yours. No, it's 28 in mine. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So it was. So I, yeah, I really enjoyed that bit of it. To be honest. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of like just the whole concept of having different chat rooms as well that set your scene. I mean, I think it's it's a simple thing, but it 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 really did. Um, bring life to it as well so we weren't just in a zoom call we were in themed chat rooms so you know that there's going to be certain people who like that kind of thing going into that room so they're there for a reason you know it's not it's not um took away that kind of um what's the word it makes it a bit less static doesn't it it's sort of (laughs) static uh, there's a slightly more visually dynamic and that was one of the things we kind of cracked in the edit was that you just change the background image mm. to a castle or different bits mm. of the forest and yeah it really helped with the whole idea that it's a new scene but even yeah. i remember you used emojis and things in one bit i remember lots of kind oh, of yeah. used them popping up that looked really good what bit? that was the one of the sort of romantic bits wasn't it yeah there's a few the the big one was um when touchstone is uh raging at uh is it william i think the character's name is basically oh, yeah. a uh a rival for the affections of Audrey and he has this sort of a meltdown actually the way Dan played it he, um, <laughs> but he just screams about the ways he's going to kill and maim this person and every time he mentions something about you know I can't remember the actual script but you know whether it's by whip or by bastinado or by the sword or whatever it was a little emoji would, would pop up until the screen was filled with them and then he just dan's performance he just burst out crying at the end he kind of like collapsed in tears and so all the emojis turned into little crying emojis um but that was that was a good that was a good fun one to do yeah yeah um there's other little camera tricks as well the one that made when i watched it back a little while ago the one that really made me laugh was uh it's another audrey one where mickey i forget what touchstone says to her something like you know are you ready for the wedding and uh Audrey says, oh, yes, I am. Puts her hand over the camera, takes it away, and she's in a wedding dress. Yeah, that was mm. brilliant. Yeah. Really I good. love that. Yeah, fast, yeah. fast cut. That was good fun. But yeah. I think, and also, you know, normally when we're doing these things, you don't get to see them. You don't get to watch yourself back unless maybe you're lucky enough that someone might have recorded it. And with that, it was very much a case of we were doing it in your own little house and then you took it away and did loads of editing with it and added little bits and pieces and you could watch it back and go, oh, that's what everyone else was doing because we couldn't see them when we were recording it. Mm. You're just looking yeah. at your own face. <laughs> it was, it yeah. was incredible because no one could see each other when we recorded it either. The no. way we had to work, we were on a call on Discord so that everyone could hear one another. But um, because everyone kind of had one camera, they could only use the camera to record you know, it wouldn't let you record and stream off the same camera. So the incredible thing, particularly in the edit, was how well things like reactions worked. And that is such a testament to you guys that when there'd be a funny line or a big dramatic moment, everyone's reactions were so good, even though you couldn't see one another. It was, yeah, it was a kind of incredible thing to watch coming together in the edit. Um, you know, it was, it was it was a tough one to do because it was a technical challenge. But yeah, yeah the mm. it was good fun. And say in the edit, it was incredible watching some of the stuff come together as if you could have actually seen what you were doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or what yeah. each other were doing. I should say. And my absolute favourite thing, I think, from the whole project was that music video in the fields with Dan. You thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> How many times did you have to listen to that song when you edited it, Katie? Oh, my God. I think I had it on repeat for about three hours. It was just horrific. Just horrific. Amazing. And then he kept saying, can I see it? I was like, I'm not listening to it again. 
that was one of those weird ones with the editing because we we got it and then we kind of went it's not really like a, a punchline because it is a really odd no. even in the original play it's mm. just a really odd random song kind of before the big ending so you're sort of going oh i wonder how it's going to resolve and then there's a song um and then when we did it we kind of went oh it's, it doesn't sort of have a yeah it doesn't have a payoff at the end and so we went back into the um into the recordings and found loads of outtakes of b basically i think between takes playing with her phone mm. she didn't i didn't think she kind of twigged that the camera was still rolling so we managed uh. to put that in it looked like she was um watching the thing on her phone so I mean, that been quite funny. Sort of even even B's outtakes were comedy gold. Yeah, it looked it looked really good. It looked like you'd asked her to do it deliberately, just yeah. where she was like, "Oh God." Yeah, yeah. I, we I did a test originally. Yeah, we did a test originally with um, to see if it would work. We did it with Joe mm. when she's playing Jaquis, and I can't. It's the scene with the the deer when the deer's been slaughtered. And she had such this kind of like really stern unhappy look and we dropped that in just to see what it would look like and it was so funny mm. just as the mm. music video got more and more stupid just the sheer look of like <laughs> like she looked so annoyed at having to watch this but we kind of it didn't really work in the context of the play because jake was is meant to find touchstone brilliantly funny so it didn't work we had to use beatrice instead but luckily beatrice had many Many little outtakes <laughs> of her looking unimpressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she was thinking of something else. I'm sure she was. I'm no, I mean, to be, sure a lot of it was actually taken from other scenes. So if, if you're, I mean, if you're really eagle-eyed, you'll be able to spot where most of it is from another scene. Yeah. It was right. only the stuff when she was on her phone that we took that she, I don't think she, uh, she knew about. <laughs> <laughs> and and then the ultimate punchline, of course, when the video's over, she clicks unlike yeah <laughs> dislike yeah <laughs> yeah hmm. cool perfect so um steph obviously you um worked as a producer across several of the um lockdown projects that we did um what were some of your favorite projects to work on and how did you find coordinating all of those, those online projects um i have to say my favorite ones to work on um were the sonnets as um as an actor with that one, that was the first project we started. Mm. Um, as Dario said, literally like the next day or the day after lockdown started. Um, so that was really fun. And I think the my favourite one to coordinate was Once Upon a Time. Um, just because I, I believe that was still fairly early um, in, in the lockdown. And... Um, everyone was you know feeling quite low missing people and it was just quite nice to um to get in contact with people and try to get as many unbound actors together um that we could and um <clears throat> i mean the the um the script that dario wrote was was honestly beautiful and very fitting for the time how it went from you know like a classical fairy tale into um the the current state of the world and um and it it just felt very uplifting as well like um you know it had very much a message i think katie had this one line that still gets to me to this day where uh people are like um they live not always happily um but then katie says but they lived and it's just the way that she says mm. it always gets me um and uh 
see how did I find coordinating them um the majority of it was <clears throat> was absolutely fine I mean I would sometimes get in contact with people or I'd put a call out and if anybody was available um, or interested then they would get in contact I'd give them um the deadline for for when the the audio needed to be in the videos um and that was it really I'd say the the all these podcasts have been a bit more difficult to coordinate um <laughs> because it's it's uh going over uh I think we've done literally every show Unbound has done by now I think and it's it's trying to get in contact with people and and because I joined Unbound in 2009 uh, 2009 2019 there was um quite a lot of people that I never met and uh and yeah trying to get everyone together and find a, a date and a time uh to do them um it it was sometimes uh quite stressful and frustrating not gonna lie but um the the payoff from it is just nice to get everyone together and to hear hear their memories of of those particular productions and uh, general question for everyone um which lockdown projects are you most proud of and uh, which did you most enjoy watching or listening to nobody's watched any of them <laughs> <laughs> I, well no i was gonna say i was i was um yeah i was quite proud of the history detectives but i think dario you're probably better at explaining that one than i am yes yeah, so it was that came out uh in september last year 2020 and it's like an interactive game and it was the the idea was brought to us by uh bucks council and the county archives they were doing a history festival and they wanted some sort of interactive quiz so they had this notion they think they even had the title history detectives they just didn't know what the story was and the idea was that you played it online there was a little clip and it directed you to different websites to go and find a particular bit of information basically encouraging people to go and read articles about history, which is a really good idea. And so we then turned it into a little narrative with, uh, it's from the I say the 51st century and there's a, an archive and there's a data thief trying to steal stuff. So you have to go and find the information he's stolen. Um, and then it's like a one of those multiple choice click games and it'll take you either through to a little video saying, oh, you got it wrong, or it'll progress you to the next little question or the next bit of the plot. So that, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I liked that one. I think that, yeah, it, came out pretty good but and as i said sort of as you skype it seeing it after it had been edited because obviously we didn't see any of it <laughs> while we were doing it um Ooh. and yeah once upon a time because as steph said because it was early on mm. there was a little element of oh i know all these people oh look they're all <laughs> yeah. in their houses that's nice <laughs> they're all still there <laughs> that's it. i've never kept my house so tidy <laughs> <laughs> i really enjoyed um watching uh brian murray's um uh little project with with uk and dan you're probably best to explain that oh um, yeah but yeah Modern crime, that. wasn't it called yeah he yeah. he wanted to try because obviously he you know we he he likes he does a lot of writing some of the sketches for you guys and things and um he wanted to try and do one like a proper sketch so he'd written this sketch which was kind of basically a, a phone conversation 
um, between a woman and a police officer saying that someone is robbing her house. But it ended up being a three-way phone conversation because then the person robbing the house also gets access to a phone. But, um, <laughs> it was, yeah, but it was, it was really fun. And I think we only rehearsed it about three times and then Brian was trying to work out a way of recording it and all these bits and pieces. But yeah, it, you know, it was quite... It, again, I think it was... It was tailor made, like you said, Dario. It was kind of this is definitely we're not going to try this as in we're filming a sketch. This is about a phone conversation that we're also kind of recording. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was really good fun. I like that one. That was funny. <laughs> I think I I enjoyed. Well, probably things I'm most proud of are anything where I get to do a silly voice <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> just like a silly character maybe, but particularly the voices and I um. Again, for uh, as you Skype it, um, I'd had fun playing the two different characters, the two brother dukes, uh, with the sort of the good and the bad kind of kind of thing going on. So I enjoyed playing about with those characters. But then I got, had like a tiny scene as Oliver Martext, um, and I just went for a, a very silly, um, uh, what's his name, Noel Fielding type voice. So I go, hello, I'm Oliver Martext, and. <laughs> oh, yeah. and <laughs> I do enjoy being silly. Also, things like the Cheshire Cat in in Alice in Wonderland. Um, I get to, you know, bring out my my kind of golem voice and just things like that. Um, those types of things. I just just trying to find something new, and and if it works, then that's the things I'm probably the most proud of, um, and getting a laugh out of it as well, which means it's all worth worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, I think. For me, I, I mean, I suppose that the Chronomia series is the one that won the award. So um, that's obviously that's yeah, a big one for Erica's narration and, and rightly so. Um, yeah, Once Upon a Time as well, probably. Uh, that was really special because it had such a big cast and it was just nice to to see them all and show how big the team was and still together. Mm-hmm. Um, my main memory from that one was because there was something like 20 actors, 22 actors in it. So everyone had to send their footage in. And some people just kind of did one take. So you had, you know, 30 seconds, you just chop out each line that they'd done and then arrange them. And then others had done several takes. And then Andy had done 40 minutes <laughs> of footage <laughs> he sent to oh me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which I Because one of the things you, you find yourself kind of humbled about is that people are spending their time, you know, in such an uncertain time, mm. people are still giving their time to work for you. So I felt duty bound. I did watch all of it. <laughs> But I did end up with a a vague sort of psychosis because I'd listened to Andy saying the words uh, to and fro so many times over and over. (laughs) It sort of wouldn't leave my head. And so I I went to bed that night after I edited it kind of hearing to and fro, to and fro, to and fro, (laughs) kind of going around around. I had to put music on to try and get rid of it. Um, (laughs) But it was dedication to the cause. But the great thing was about that, because some people only do one take, obviously that you've got their one reading of it. And the thing you've got to try and do is make it make sense as a full sentence, even when people are only doing a couple of words. Mm -hmm. So it was really useful that with Andy had different, intonations of each line so that you could match it to the stuff either side because mm. it was really weird when the footage come in some bit you're going to go how on why have they done it like that that's just that's just weird it doesn't make sense at all and then you put it next to all the other lines and you go oh no it sounds like a sentence um so I sort of at one point thinking i don't this isn't going to work this is um this is bizarre <laughs> everyone's just going to sound like they're like they, they've never spoken before and don't <laughs> understand how to deliver lines 
um <laughs> but that yeah that again really came together in the edit that was that was a really special one i think the thing you don't appreciate is just how much of it there was actually because we were kind of blinkered at the time and just keeping it going and keeping stuff happening so I, I look back now and i think you know bloody hell we made a feature film um there's hours and hours of stuff so um the rubbish answer is all of it really but the sheer quantity and, and quality of it is kind of staggers me now um now there's a distance of time you can kind of look back at something like skype and think that's really good you know it's a really good film regardless of whether it's a lockdown project or not because it feels like a lifetime ago that we made it now that we're you know back and doing stuff on stage again it's a it's another world i quite liked after doing the once upon a time and after it went out and then obviously people shared it i shared it to everyone on the book face and i had a few people come back saying to me a mighty dragon yeah i obviously enjoyed that line you know so i Probably went for it into the camera. A mighty dragon with my hands going out, which uh, it felt it needed dramatizing there. <laughs> now, of course, um, one of the things that we had planned to do in yeah before lockdown was announced was a twenty-four hour show, and there'd be absolutely no way after lockdown had been announced that we'd do something as mad as try and put on a twenty-four hour show. Um, during <laughs> lockdown or during the time of lockdown but of course we did it um and how did that sort of uh come about dario and how did it have to change and evolve as the shifting landscape of what was and wasn't allowed or you know what the rules were just shifted over time yeah so it changed but completely um yeah so we'd been talking about doing it for about six months eight months before covid happened lockdown happened um maybe longer than that uh yeah it was meant to be part of this this trilogy of projects to celebrate queen's park's 40th anniversary so we had the double shakespeare tour so we were going to go out with as you like it in midsummer night stream and do you know one cast two plays and then do audience choice in some venues and stuff uh then there was a 24-hour show and then there was peter pan at christmas so um the 24-hour show was sort of the last the last survivor in terms of doing it in person um yeah and as things began to open up in summer 2020 we thought well actually maybe we could still do this and and first lockdown ended uh but we do it as a live stream because we we knew we couldn't really open the theater safely at that stage because this was before lateral flow testing was available to everyone and, and certainly before the vaccine had started going out um and yeah i mean it seemed to be in a, a constant state of change really um <laughs> I mean, we knew there wasn't time to stage all of it in terms of blocking it, so it was like a full play because there's 24 hours of it. It would that would take you a year to rehearse, so it was going to be largely radio style with scripts in hand and everyone stood at microphones, a bit like we used to do the old Inspector Murder recordings years ago. Um, but then a few bits of it would be fully staged and fully blocked with costumes and props and stuff. That was the plan. Um, but then we got into late September and then it got to October and the rates were growing up and lockdown started looming. Um, and ultimately, we we did the entire thing with people seated around the theatre. And it was only a couple of days before lockdown two happened in November. So we again, just by the skin of our teeth, we got got into it. Um, and it was it was another big test of nerve, really. It's a bit like playing chicken with a pandemic <laughs> to see who, who gave up first. <laughs> But we did get there in the end. And uh, actually, I mean, it took a lot of pressure off to just bring it down to that podcast style approach where everyone sat down with their scripts on a little lectern and we did it all on book, pretty much. Um, 
but yeah i remember every almost every week you'd have to go in and go okay so you know the government guidance has changed again uh we've got to do two meters not one meter or okay government guidance changed again we can only have this number of people on stage and then eventually again as things got really pretty bad towards the end of october we just said look just put everyone in chairs they're two meters apart and at least we'll be able to do it because i think at that stage if we'd had to had to give up completely we might have been able to do it with everyone at home that was kind of the backup option but that would have been very reliant on again however many actors we had 25 actors that relies on 25 internet connections being (laughs) stable enough for 24 hours to get through it um so in the end we said look just sit down everyone will be in the theater and we'll be able to do it in person so that's uh that's how it ended up yeah i remember when sort of we you know sort of first got the understanding that probably we weren't going to be able to do that fully blocked um, with costumes bit and it was a really tough decision to have to sort of you know you know talk over and then kind of go to everyone and kind of say yeah we're gonna have to pair this back to just that podcast style um version but everyone was really really you know really really good about it and it's just like yep yep things have changed that's what that's what happens in the world now let's get on with this yep. new way of doing it and really just Every time we threw a curveball in terms of this has now changed, it's now working differently, everyone was just like, yep, and we're adapting, and now we're doing the new thing, and just got on with it, and it, that was really brilliant. Yeah, I think there were one or two people who were quite relieved when we said you didn't have to learn bits of it because it was <laughs> going to all be on book. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a... <laughs> At this point in the podcast, we say, hello, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And... um Everyone else, sort of, um, with the 24-hour show, what were your first thoughts when you heard about the project and what was the atmosphere like during the show? I thought you were mad. (laughs) (laughs) I thought... I I had images... Because when you first said it, I didn't... I didn't... Obviously, I didn't know much about what it was going to be. So I just had an image of you, Gareth, doing puns for about three hours at (laughs) one in the morning. And just... How did you know the backup plan? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh God, no one, no one can stay awake for 24 hours. That's madness. What are you doing? And then we changed it. And then, Gareth, you did it anyway. You actually yeah. stayed on stage for 24 hours. 24 hours, yep. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just it seemed to just go through different phases, I think. People were quite excited to start with, I think. Then it was... Mm. Uh, you had that camaraderie thing, I think, because like you said, we were all in that room together. Um, people got quite tired. Things got a little bit manic. Then people just got very tired and emotional. Um, <laughs> and so yeah. up and down. But we, I mean, I went home and slept. Gareth, you like, did you, were you all right? Did you just go to a <laughs> strange place? What happened? You know, I, I found it um, really strange how untired I was by the end. Like there, there was a moment about halfway through. It. Actually, it wasn't even about halfway through. It. it was after like the first. I think it was after the improv. Um, just because even in that setting, improv is very high energy. You're absolutely knackered after doing a, a sort of full. You know, even though it wasn't in front of a you know live audience, there it was still in front of people who were watching on the Zoom. You're always completely knackered after that, and that was only sort of. I think about three hours in or something like that. And I was thinking, wow, if I'm this tired now, how on earth am I going to make it through another 19 hours of this? But then you just found you you really got a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth wind on it. Every time you hit one of the new 
um, new projects, one of the new sections. You just, you know, you got all of your energy back just by, you know, being part of it and having fun with it. So, yeah, by the end, I was just buzzing. It's like, I, weird, weirdly enough, I couldn't get to sleep when I got back home because it's just, oh, just wow. buzzing with energy. See, I think it definitely, you could definitely tell when new people were coming in, people who hadn't, yeah, fresh meat, if you like, <laughs> new people, they'd be, they'd be sort of a boost of energy, it would give you that lift to go, oh, yep, yeah, keep going, they're on it, they're happy, you know, they're having fun. So it was good. <laughs> I walked in about 3, 3.30 in the morning, I think, so I'd, I'd had, I'd had an early night, so fairly good amount of sleep, and I was feeling tired, but, you know, I was, I was waking up, and and then walked in. There did seem to be kind of a very. It was, I think it must have been like a bit of a lull when I arrived because I think people were already tired, having done quite a few. Well, they'd done a work day, hadn't they, by that stage? Mm. So, people that had been there the whole time, I think they were just starting to flag a little bit. And I, I really detected that when I first got there. But then it did rise up again. And you know, when you start getting into a new section of the show, something does kind of take over and sort of really push you forward to make it work. I was going to say, I think sometimes it's the problems that kind of keep you energized as well. Because I was, I mean, I was watching the whole thing from home because I had to self-isolate. So I wasn't, I wasn't there, sadly. Um, but I was watching it in real time on a Zoom link that Stefan had set up because the actual stream was about, I don't know, 60 seconds delayed from, so just in case something went wrong, we could cut it. Um, but I could watch it in real time. So my memories of, were sort of directing it remotely from home. And at one point, I can't remember exactly where it was but it was somewhere i think sort of in the very late evening early morning we got about half an hour behind schedule and just as i was kind of getting a bit tired suddenly went we've got to try and get back up to speed what do we do how do what do we cut what do we try and speed up so actually that gave you a bit of a, a sort of second wind actually mm. um it sort of kept me awake going oh you know we're we going to get are people going to tune in in the morning and we're sort of you know three hours behind um luckily we sort of clawed it all back yeah, I think by the time it got to near the end and we were doing the the improv games, that bit for me was difficult to keep on going. And I was I was starting to feel like, come on, 24 hours, come on, just, just roll <laughs> over. Because I, I was starting to feel a bit irritable and a little bit kind of, I just, <laughs> you know, I can't think straight. I can't, um, I remember at one point... Uh, which game was it the one where you just carry on the story from the previous person and I was trying to listen to Alistair and I was next in line but I was across across the room so I was struggling to hear him and I couldn't quite hear what he was saying and then and then Gav goes and switch and my mouth just went I don't know what it (laughs) sounded like and uh, and then he's like ah no you're you're out so I thought ah and I actually felt a tiny bit of irritation at that point more in myself in that I had failed to uh, to continue the game because I was my brain was failing at that point. But uh, I, I sat back, had a word with myself. I thought it's not important. Just you know, just take it and did a little pretend dying back in my chair just to just to show people actually it's all a bit of fun. But yeah, there, there was kind of that. Okay, I wonder how many other people are feeling the same kind of thing as me right now because <laughs> it's been a long day. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I was quite lucky because we did one of the last few things we did. We had Much Ado About Nothing and Lady Windermere's Fan. And in both of those, the character I was playing got quite emotional and upset. And I was like, I genuinely am really tired. <laughs> this is not difficult. <laughs> so it worked really well. 
<laughs> Emily said that because she played the um, the mock turtle in the uh, second oh, part yeah. of Alice in Wonderland. And so she got to, you know, cry a lot. And afterwards, I just remember her turning to me and going, that felt really good. <laughs> really therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bless her. Right. Uh, and I think that brings us to our final question, um, which is now that theatre projects are, are back up and running, how do you look back on the lockdown project? Are there any that you'd like to revisit and, and follow up on and um also sort of you know looking to the future what are you looking forward to working on going forwards I don't, well I think it I, I looking back on it I think it was we made it into quite a good opportunity because I, I know a lot of places just closed and they didn't have they didn't have any output really they just you know there was nothing coming out from them at all they just didn't have the people there to be able to carry on and we were really lucky that sort of Unbound kept going and kept putting these projects out and the things that the sheer number of things especially with the 24-hour show I you know I got to be part of things loads so many different things just because it was 24 <laughs> hours worth so you know I don't know how many god like I remember having about three folders with scripts in just for that one thing which <laughs> would never be able to happen in a normal year. So I think there were a lot of, yeah, it was a good opportunity. There were a lot of positives and it got me to, you know, I got to try out a lot of things that I would never have been able to do. Um, I remember, yeah, Steph did uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland. I got to be the Queen of Hearts. I remember terrifying mm -hmm. my poor little dog because I had to do that Queen of Hearts <laughs> speech and scream at people for about 10 minutes. Um, so, but I also... I like the fact that Unbound do a variety of things. So I'm I'm looking forward to them being back to normal and, and rehearsals, really. Just being in a room with someone else, not just talking to myself in my spare room. That will be nice. Yeah. I'm yeah, looking same. forward to that bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to look back on what we've, how we've had to work in, in this strange way. Um, but sort of take some learnings from that onto our sort of more regular you know, performances in front of actual people kind of thing and the normal rehearsals with people that you can touch and and uh, have proper blocking with and I think um, it, it does give you a kind of a better perspective really on kind of how lucky we are to have that mm. so I'm looking forward to to um, seeing how much we can all grow as a as individuals and and as a group yeah I, th I think for me, I I won't miss re online rehearsals. Um, I'm very glad that, that we're now kind of back in person doing that. But, you know, there's a lot that, um, that we can take forward from all the online and audio things. We've learned a lot um, that we can put into uh, and grow in, in the future. Um, so I'm really looking forward to to being back in front of a live audience, but I'm also um, quite excited to see what this kind of lockdown experience uh, does for the company. Um, and I think right now I'm most looking forward to Panto. Um, because, I mean, The Snow Queen was my very first one and I absolutely loved it. Um, 
and was gutted when Peter Pan couldn't go on because that's I just adore the story of Peter Pan um so yeah I'm really really excited for Sleeping Beauty this year and for there being two casts I am slightly scared that we're now going to see two years of purely COVID-based theatre about plays about people going through COVID. They're but... being written as we speak. Oh, I know they are. <laughs> yeah. There will be none at Unbound, we can assure you. Yay! Faithful, faithful listeners. This one's called Isolation. <laughs> I mean, you know someone's writing. Probably Jimmy McGovern is writing a, like a six-part series for the BBC oh, called Lockdown. Yeah. In, in which people are very miserable in lockdown, beating oh, each other up. God. And someone's doing a film about Chris Whitty <laughs> called The Briefing. No. Who would play about, him? It's probably Benedict Cumberbatch, let's oh, be honest. Okay. It's bound to be him or Tom Hiddleston or someone like that. And something about Dominic Cummings as well. There'll be like a three-part yeah. series about the rise and fall of Dominic Cummings. Oh, yeah, that's definitely coming out. Called King of the Castle or something like that. Oh, oh, excellent. Oh. Yeah. Sounds like you two are writing that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think in terms of things to like revisit, I History Detected actually would be fun to go back to because there's, there's loads you can do with that because obviously history is a, a very wide canvas indeed. And it would be interesting to see what we do when we weren't having to strictly work at home in isolation and we could actually possibly do stuff together so that'd be that'd be a fun one to oh, to revisit yeah. proper yeah. audio work because you guys mm. have got all the proper audio stuff as well because we're just all cobbling things together with our little cameras and phones and things yeah you see what we could do at queen's park with all the tech that we've now accumulated mm. which is kind of the legacy of covid really for queen's park and, and unbound mm. in terms of <clears throat> Yeah, theatrical output is we've now got all this recording equipment that we didn't have before, which is um which is brilliant. Yeah. Um I think going back to what I was saying earlier, I, I look back on it all with a an awful lot of pride. Um and a, in a sense a, a bit of awe, because it really is a broad church of films and sketches and interactive games and sonnets. There's such a such a large amount of it. And um and such a large number of people working on it to to make it happen and um i think it meant a lot to queen's park as well you know there was there was no department in in qpac that made more content whilst the building was closed you know there were there were not 190 days of pottery (laughs) (laughs) and um it did a lot for queen's park's profile i think to sort of show we could still be busy and still be creative and still make stuff so yeah I'm, i'm really proud that of all the projects of the many many projects and and activities at queen's park it was unbound kind of leading leading the way in that respect so um yeah long may it continue and on that thought i think that brings us to the end of this episode so thank you everyone for your thoughts and memories and thank you everyone uh, listening in for for listening um if you want to see more episodes of tell great stories or indeed some of the lockdown projects that we've been talking about then you can go to um unboundtheatre.co.uk or look up at Unbound Theatre on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or SoundCloud. But for now, thank you for listening. <laughs>